one. Sugar daddy every day. <laughs> shout out to uh, Foosley. Shout out to Foosley. You're killing it. Yeah. April Foos is her <clears throat> character's name, and she's fucking hilarious. April, that, that's like on level with like Grognak Attorney at Law. Yeah, that, that's her name is April Foos. Because there's there's a bunch of weird character names like that, and I love them all, <coughs> honestly. <clears throat> Sorry. You alright there, bud? Yeah, I just, I went to clear my throat, and it was louder than I thought, and you were like mid-sentence on that. <laughs> so Sorry. There's um, God, why can't I remember any of them up to me? Anyway, hey everybody, welcome to Two Guys in a Shed. As always, I am your host, Dom. And I am your host, Toretto. <laughs> Toretto? <laughs> Out of all the names <laughs> in the world, that's the one you lagged trying to... Because like, you could tell you lagged. Because I wanted to also, at first I was like, and I am also Dom, but then in my head I was like, wait a minute, I should be a different name. You should have went Dahmer, so we're Dom and Dahmer. <laughs> no, no, because no, Toretto isn't Dominic Toretto from uh, Fast and Furious. Oh, um, yeah, no, it was it was just a weird name you grabbed. I don't know who that is. No, no, Dominic Toretto. He's a front. He's the 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 guy. I think it was Vin Diesel played him. Remember the this is family. This is family. Yeah. Fucking Dominic Toretto. That, that. Anyway, as always, I am your host, Jordan. And I am Don Toretto. Oh, my fucking God. Ethan, I and you're listening to, to Two Guys in a Shed. Brought to you by Jordan and the literal IRL Dom Toretto. Yep. <laughs> as you can tell, we're going a little bit crazy <clears throat> in the shed. This is going to devolve into every single episode. I, I do not say my name anymore. <laughs> it's going to be like, uh, like, like, you know how like the dungeon dudes, every episode it's like their name with like a different like Yeah, title. like Monty Vicious Mockery. Yeah, that's just going to be me every time with, I'm a, just a random name. Yeah. And I'm Suve. And I am Jordan Suvide Sullivan. Oh, you dropped the last name. <laughs> Your names are getting more advanced. I guess I guess Don Tredda, that's the last name too. So yeah. Like, yeah. Alright. Um, so this week we're gonna be talking about how we go about world building. And the way we're gonna do that is kind of we're just gonna freestyle start building a world. It's, it's gonna snowing be outside. Huh? It's snowing outside. Yeah, it's cold. <coughs> God. <clears throat> Yeah, you, you okay, bud? <clears throat> yeah, it's like I feel like I had like had something in my throat. Is yeah. it that bug? It's the bug. Yeah, he's trying to fly back out. Ah, um, wow. I like how the bug lore is growing because now it had wings. They're gonna narrow it down. They're gonna. Yep. The question of we've already been asked, I think twice now. Is w what bug was it? Yep, and you internet sleuths will figure it out one day. It was it was edible? Question mark. Edible question mark and it had wings question mark. What are wings? Anyway, yeah, so I'm Don Toretto and today we're talking about <laughs> building some worlds. Oh, that one's gonna that one's gonna stick like a tire on the interstate. Just 
I'm hanging on to that one. I'm going to get a hat that just says Don Toretto. It's Dom Toretto. Dom, Dom Toretto. It's his brother. Oh, Donnie Toretto? Yeah, he loves D&D. Big fan. <laughs> that Donnie Toretto. Oh my god. Like, like, like imagine the next Fast and Furious. Like it's the whole family barbecue and in the corner it's just like some nerd who really just wants to play D and D. You guys you wanna play some D and D. I brought my dice. I brought my dice. We can I can let you guys have cars. Well actually they would be wagons, but like we can like pimp your wagon. Yeah, we can make it lower, get some nice coil over springs on it for you and I like the, a, a a lowered wagon. <laughs> a lowered wagon with like yeah this this baby's got a full one horsepower isn't it technically isn't it two horsepower per horse isn't that the uh i don't remember i know it's 300 ducks per horsepower it is 300 uh, approximately they, approximately that does include like i think they round it down yeah Ooh. Ooh. how okay, a better way a faster way to google it how much horsepower does a horse have? <laughs> well, being that horsepower is actually a motive of uh, torque times RPM times whatever the random arbitrary number is or whatever it is, uh, I feel like there hasn't really been because horses don't really have any torque. So the horsepower number is kind of going to be off. It's going to be like 1.36 or something. A horse can exert 14.9 horsepower. That's impressive. Over a short period of time, it says. So, I mean, you can't really gauge what a living thing can do. Yeah, because, well, when you, when, so the way cars work is, like, horsepower is, like, a scale. So, like, at two, at, like, 2,000 RPM, your your car think your car's peak horsepower is like 195 or something like that. It's a lot, yeah. But like at yeah, 2,000 RPM, you're probably sitting at like 85 horsepower because it's a value of your torque times your RPM divided by some arbitrary number that I can't think of. But yeah, so yeah, your car's peak horsepower may be 195, but what you see is never 195. Well, then a peak, a, a horse's peak horsepower is about about 14.9. That's interesting. That Think, wasn't... Things you never thought you'd learn on D and D podcasts is how yeah. horsepower is calculated and how much. Well, I am Dom Toretto, so as as this apparently special guest star, it only makes sense that cars are brought up fast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much horsepower does an LS have? Three hundred and forty. It's actually pretty close. A stock LS. <laughs> there. See, you didn't clarify. <laughs> I'm close enough. Anyway, so I'm Dom Toretto. So today we're going to be going over. We're just going to be building a world. That's that's essentially what world building is. I wonder how much of this you're going to how much of this bit you're going to edit out. I don't know, man. I don't know anything. So after after thinking about it, we thought, what's the easiest way to explain how we build a world? Like do like you know do we want to sit down for three hours and like pen on paper describe our like the way we do it, how we do it, how we think of different avenues or you know kind of create it? And then we thought that's boring, so yeah. we're just gonna make a world. Yep, we are going to make the third planet in our solar system now 
Because why not? Why not? Yeah, because last last episode, for those who are following along, we canonically decided that our worlds are connected by being in the same solar system. So now we're making the third solar system, and eventually we're gonna have our own universe. We're gonna have like thir- like fifty different planets, and that's a it's a big it's uh, a big world. Yeah. So technically, we're not world building anymore. Yeah, we're universe building. Yeah, you can't really call this a world. Yep. So yeah, we're building a planet today. So there's no script. There's no notes we have. We're just going to build a planet for about 90 minutes. Yep. And he has a piece of paper in front of him, and I have a notepad on my laptop. And we're just gonna we're just gonna go. Yep. So comment down below what you want to see in this world. Yeah, what kind what kind of stuff? You plethora like, of followers. Yeah, like give us give us dumb ideas to make us do random things cuz honestly that's the most fun we have is when we come up with a dumb idea and just have to run with it and and, and then it begins. Yeah. We, we made like a whole legendary armor set based off of that. Yeah. Well, we have a bunch of ideas. We have that idea about the um those weird wild magic sorcerers where they were like created by the blood ma- by their blood transfusion. That all started because one day I messaged you at like 10 o'clock at night. And I was like, what would happen? Like, can, can a sorcerer donate blood? Yeah. And that, that's how that started. <laughs> but then how much blood, like, what's the percentage? 51, 100? Probably not 100. Yeah, probably not. Probably like 70. Like, like a majority. But then I'll be arguing that there's different power levels. So like if a normal wizard or normal sorcerer who maybe has 80%, if he like transfuses 20% more, is he stronger now? Maybe that can be the overarching story concept for this world. Is there some guy who's experimenting with that shit? Mm. I was thinking a very watery world. A very watery world. Just and, and not like the entire world's underwater. Just it's more islands and not like you know how our worlds are kind of all these big continents together. Yeah, maybe we could have a very like you know islands, and then we could also have it to be, um, like, not not like Atlantis, but you know like those like floating cities, like we could have like dispersed floating cities. In the middle of deep water because that's and where, they like, serve as like the the ports. Yeah, they serve as like the ports, and that's where also like they do a lot of like deep water fishing and surveillance. And that means that it had to be pretty high tech. So artificers, colleges would be prevalent. Yeah, artificers and colleges, and I imagine it's probably going to be a very magic heavy world. It would need to be magic heavy, or super steampunk, or a lot of magic with a little steampunk. That's how I do it. Like, if you yeah. remember... Um... Yeah, I, 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 I get where you're coming. Um... Hmm. Like, a nuclear reactor, but instead of uranium, it's just, like, a magic crystal. I mean, that's... I, f- I like the idea of, like, a, a steampunk world that's utilizing magic as a fuel source. So, similar to the idea that Tristan had with his world, where, like, we have these crystals that are the creating the barriers, maybe these crystals are utilized in a way to where they're creating these float, these, 
like permanently floating cities that are sustain easily sustainable, you know, creating you know you know even weather patterns because over the water weather patterns can get a little over all over the place. Because I I'm thinking like these. I, I mean, I guess they are just continents, these continents. I'm thinking they would be, like, months apart sailing. Like, I'm thinking I'm thinking See, very... So here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking several very isolated continents. So they're still big enough to have a kingdom to be self-sustaining. Mm-hmm. But the only way they can really communicate trade or anything is through these kind of independent ports that are ran by maybe, a, like, a university... Maybe they're all city states. Maybe the maybe the water itself is their domain. Because then, then we have a really cool thing to play with, like politics. I feel like we should do similar to like what the world goes to where um, you go out in the middle of the ocean, like a mile off coast. I can't remember what the exact like number for like coastal. You know, U.S. You know, U.S. waters. Each one's different, but we could have it to where off of these islands or off these patterns of islands, you know, you go two, three miles, and then you are in international waters where it is anybody's game. But there are certain areas where there are ports, so it could be a very states. Yeah, so the city states could have part of what's going on there, and um. Yeah, or they could have some kind of control, but there could also be a very, like, pirate-heavy thing going on to where, because it's open waters, it's all lawless, lawless waters. And you could have the idea of, if your flag is flying on this boat, that boat is your property, or that your land, but you're in international waters, so anything can happen. You're not really protected. I like it. How many continents should there be? thinking five that's what i was thinking it was around five one kind of to the north it's colder one kind of to the south also colder and then just kind of three like i'm thinking like antarctica kind of uh you know central america like if you're looking at our world where would they be placed yeah so like i'm thinking one in, in like antarctica one kind of where like central america is mm-hmm. russia kind of one down in australia and then one almost around africa yeah yeah, I think that would be an interesting dichotomy, and that gives them plenty of space. And I think what for like the the northern like frozen wastes, that one could be like the waters free, are frozen around those islands, so they can travel from island to island by like sled. I like it. And nobody really lives on the water, but they can travel the waters very easily with via sleds and all that. And honestly. Even though D&D is not super set up for it because the characters don't start off with equipment to handle cold weather, I think starting our campaign in that cold weather area would kind of be interesting because I, I don't think either of us have ever done something like that where it's like you're in a f- cold area. Yeah, they've never started there. I've, I've had them have to like, like I think they had to go get a poisonous plant from like a nearby mountain peak mm-hmm. and it was super cold. They all had to purchase like cold, like cold weather gear. Yeah, I've had to do, like, make, you know, we did cold weather gear, but I've never started it off to where, like, hey, 
you guys might want to like have cold weather gear on your character sheet. Like I'll let you guys pick that out. Maybe do it toward they get gold and they have to spend it. They don't get starting gear. They get to pick and choose. That would. Uh, that's also something we've never done. I is you know make you guys roll for gold. Yeah, roll for gold and then give them an like an actual like printed sheet of stuff to buy. Yeah. And that that gives their characters a little more customization. Yeah, it, it lets them be a little different. It gives us a little more control. Yeah, yeah, that would that would and that that would make it to where like as long as we prefaced, hey, it's cold where you're gonna be at. Maybe they'll think. or they'll ignore it and die of hypothermia. Yeah, so so let's focus on that cold area just because that sounds like fun. Um. So, what would be the capital city? Would that would we keep the capital city like at the edge of the ice? I don't even know if it would have a capital city. I mean, living in a cold area, that would be almost like everybody would have to be just self-sustaining. Well, I feel like not it, it like everybody would have to be self-sustaining, but I feel like there would be like a larger city near like a port or something where things travel through to get to the other continents. So I'm kind of picturing it like several islands that are kind of larger, but then all the water is frozen around it. So like you cross ice to get to them, to get to all these different little islands. Yeah. And I mean, it essentially makes one massive continent. Yeah. But oh, oh there's a lot of, barren area between there yeah it could be days in between some of the the various yeah so they would have to be self-sustaining but like in terms of world economy they would have to have some kind of ability to trade with the other continents and if they're trading with other continents it's going to route through generally one city or one of those little city things and that's gonna have that's generally gonna be where the bigger city is. And that's that's what I'm referring to as the capital. Like it mm-hmm. might not be the capital where like the ruler of the kingdom lives or the continent lives, but it's more that's just where the most people congregate and are at to deal with trading, deal with international bullshit. Yeah, so I'm because I'm thinking the north. That northern area, I'm think I'm like I'm picturing it much more tribal. It isn't like there's a mayor or a jarl. There's just a tribe that lives in this area, and the tribe has a leader, mm-hmm. and it has you know a, an elder and very simple things. But I'm thinking like it's kind of a very rugged area. So I'm picturing it to where they're too busy to worry about who's the boss. They don't care. Okay. They care about putting food on the table, making enough firewood ready for the, you know, the winter storms. Like, I'm thinking it to be a very rugged area. Well, it wouldn't be really firewood in that case. Because if it's it's cold enough to keep, like, lakes frozen over time, there's not really going to be a lot of trees growing. Like, there will be trees growing, but it will be, like, very sparse. And they grow real slow. Hmm. So I feel like like a lot of their stuff would have to be like 
seal hunting for clothing and uh, the, the, blubber. The blubber. For creating oil. That's even more so then. That means they'd have to be, like, they're so busy hunting every day that they don't have time to... Trade and, and care about world politics. Yeah, they don't, they don't give a shit. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of back to the old days where... I mean, it's probably pretty rare that they even hike across the lakes anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it could be seen as like a, maybe once or twice a week somebody comes or goes. Yeah, so like they have, you know, like a preset trading thing just because you have to. Yeah. Because you know, the ones who were on the larger islands, maybe even there's a, you know, the some of the islands are so big where there is a chunk that is forestable. And maybe some has, you know, some mines. Like, they can be very large islands. Yeah. I mean, and you could, they could be days across. Yeah. So, so we could, so, and th that would mean that they would have to trade. Because if you have, you know, let's say our main city, which is going to be the capital. That's, the, that's, the, that's just convenient. They yeah. would, they would, they would, in, in this world, in their eyes, that would be the capital. Yeah. They wouldn't call it that, but that, that's what that would be yeah, fundamentally. It's, yeah, it's just the large city. People who from the outside are like, oh, yeah, this is the capital, but really it's not the capital. It's yeah, just kind of. So, you know, it, it just, it's just kind of an agreed upon area where all the tribes send their stuff. And maybe once every 20 years, give or take, they have to meet up to discuss something. Yeah, so maybe with that idea. I feel like that large city would be kind of central to everything. It would be in the center of all that stuff. So if it's center, how would it ship resources? Um, so that's where the capital is, and then there's kind of like a you know a secondary port a where port. they send things off. Yeah, because because like I said, they they would have to have a way because there's going to be a thing where whatever tribe owns the island that has the iron and the limestone they're gonna have to trade with the ones who are closer to the outskirts of the water who have more hunting yeah and i there's gonna be times where those groups you know these groups it again it's all about self-sustainability mm -hmm. so they're not gonna want to i mean the hunters especially they're not gonna want to give up food yeah so they might not send enough food so now the guys who maybe they you know they live off you know some some greenhouses they have just enough food they make themselves, but if they don't get the blubber they were promised, now they have to meet up to the council. Yeah. So there would have to be some kind of agreed upon way that you know we have to go hike out to to do it. Yeah. So dogs would be very prominent. Sled dogs. Yeah, sled it, dogs. It would have to be. Every tribe would have to have like honestly a dedicated husky breeder. Yeah, I mean. Because it's fantasy world, do we want to just like homebrew some cool creature that's different? Honestly, how often is there just like dogs? That's very true. Like, when's the last time a husky was in D and D? I don't think I've ever seen a dog in D and D. Now, don't get me wrong; they don't all have to be dogs. There could be a tribe that has night stalkers. Yeah. Or phase beasts, or uh, blink dogs. Mm -hmm. We could be a little creative with it, but I imagine, you know, dogs are prominent. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the way I'm kind of seeing the like trade network, I guess, is how you would put it. Oh, yeah, the paths going between towns is it's very they all go central to the the capital city, quote unquote. And then there's also one road that goes down to like a secondary port town that was created yeah. after because I see like these tribes were kind of not separate separate but kind of like isolated from the rest of the world for a long time generations yeah for generations and then and they were all just congregating in this capital and then all the time all of a sudden one day this weird guy from a foreign place showed up and was like hey we want to trade with you guys and he brought charcoal yeah Uh, and maybe that's where like oil yeah and maybe that's where a lot of their like why why they want to trade foreign comes from yeah, because I mean, they would they would need lumber because even with us saying that there would be wood there, not enough to farm for firewood, mm-hmm. but enough to build, they would still need you know more for boats, buildings. Yeah, yeah, like there there's a need for trade. So, with that, what is there like what I think could they export that? Like, is valuable to the other people? Is it, like, they find whale skin clothing attractive? You know, whale yeah, or, I mean, or, like, seal leather? The pelts would definitely be one. Uh, pelts and leather. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, there'd be more animals there. I'm yeah. imagining lots of... Again, and we could even get creative there. They Maybe they have, like, a very rare, like, snow dragon. Where it's smaller... You know, more like car-sized, just fuzzy dragons that are, you know, they're Arct- Arctic dragons. Yeah, an Arctic dragon where... And the, and they're seen nowhere else. They're only on this, this continent. Con- yeah. And to them, it's just something they hunt. I mean, hell, they could not even like them. They're like, oh, the meat's kind of gross. They're a predator. Yeah, the meat's the, gross and everything. The fur's cool, but polar bears also have white fur. Yeah. They're kind of a nuisance... I mean, some are nice, you know, we can get kind of creative with, uh, you know, maybe, maybe there's clans of these snow dragons and that could lead to, you know, maybe, maybe that's where the story comes in. Maybe they like on your way to hunt these beings, you fight like, maybe a, a recent clans with under heavy attack by these things. Yeah. Or maybe were sent to kind of be that diplomatic create that trade agreement with the foreign kingdoms you yeah. know we are we were sent to either protect a diplomat or something along those lines to help, to help i would imagine everyone can fight again within such a rugged place yeah. Kids are being taught to hunt and defend themselves in frigid waters at age of six. Well, no, it was the the characters that are made, the PCs, are from that foreign kingdom as well. Oh, so we're throwing the players who are foreign to this continent into this continent. Yeah. So they're, they are there to garner this trade agreement. And they start like off by doing like, little things to gain the trust of the tribes. Yeah, because they don't give a shit that you brought them chocolate. Yeah, like... But help me, Mom, bring in the steel blubber from outside. Yeah. Farm the rep. Yeah. And, like, do, like, little things like that, and eventually, like, 
you know, after like doing two or three major things for like a village, they can like have or like there'll be a larger overarching thing like, hey, we've heard stories of this group. Uh, these like it's a they're a nuisance creature, but they're hard to take care of. Of these, we call them, you know, something weird. Um, but and yeah, then we discover that they're Arctic dragons, where they see them as a nuisance, but back home, their fur is super valuable. Yeah, I mean, a bunch of it would be super valuable. Fur, the bones, because I imagine like the fur and like the leather made from it would be. Like, similar to dragon hide. Mm-hmm. We could do it to where, like, maybe the dragon has, like, a gland that helps manage temperature. Yeah. And now there's now this industrial resource it can make as well. Yeah, that could probably be, like, the gland or maybe, like, like the gland produces this chemical that... Like, almost does, like, what liquid nitrogen does, you know, for, like, cooling so that they can run things that are hotter, more extreme, and keep them cooler because of this gland from or, these... Or it could even do both. It could be... A, it could regulate temperature. Yeah, it could overall regulate temperature, but I like the idea of it's, like, it just acts like liquid nitrogen to where we have, like, liquid nitrogen cooling in the system that needs to stay... And it's easy to make it not cool. It's to not warm up. Yeah, I like it. What I what would be cool is to find a way to trap them on this on this continent, mm-hmm. where they can't just like get back on the boat and leave. Like they get dropped off, they go to the capital where they get kind of brushed off. It's like you know what you, you want to trade with us. Go you you want to earn our respect. Maybe it's a thing of. The boat, you know, you got you get dropped off, and the, the boat says, back for... "Yeah." And the boat says, "You know, we can't come back for another month or two months because and of the maybe way stuff happens and it's gonna take longer." Yeah, like maybe they can't can't come back for another month because the boat routes that the route they took on the boat is going to be frozen for the next three months, so they can't redock. And and then you get told that. While the boat was on its way to come get you, the local city-state port decided to change their regulations, and now there's a like a political issue with your kingdom and the trade route. Mm-hmm. So now we, as the DM, we can just use that to drag along however long we want to keep you there. Yeah, and yeah, and they and that could make it to where they spend all this time like trying to figure out ways to get off the island or. They're like embracing it. They embrace it and kind of get to know the people, and then. So I, I'm thinking our party lands at the port, and they were not told what to expect. So when they just see a bunch of people covered in like hides and leathers, mm-hmm. walking around, they're, they're, there's no guards. They're 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 mostly ignored, almost shunned. So they then make their way to the capital, where they were told to meet someone who yeah. they were. And, and I feel like there's gonna be some kind of like. You know, story stuff going on. You know, like fighting and things like that going on in between. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, with I'm, I'm imagining several tribes. Yeah. So there would be maybe two are at war, and you show up and you go to the the council meeting, and they basically tell you to fuck off. They they don't care at all whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And eventually you'll be like, no, please persuasion roll. Think of all the good we can do. 
then we can you can make them. They don't have to go to every single tribe village mm-hmm. and convince the village that this is worth their time. You convince my people you're worth the time, we'll sit down with you. So now we we, we have many sessions. They're all different because you know the travel will you'll, you'll travel there. Yeah, you'll get to where it is, and this town. Oh, this is the tribe that does all all the seal hunting. So now you're like you want to. to Prove our point. Well, let's see how good this longboat is at hunting a fucking seal. Go. I'll wait. Yeah, it turns out their seals are like CR6 fucking scary things. Yeah, so we throw them, you know, the essentially we're, because I mean, we have experienced players, so they would be thrown into the deep end here. Mm-hmm. Where there's no preset, like as the DM, there's no preset solution. I just let you stumble around till you find a good reason. Yeah. Yeah, make them come up with their own solutions. Because even in like out of game or in the car- the leaders, they don't know what you can do to prove it. Just do it. Yeah, figure it out. Yeah, make yourself useful. And then it, it has the effect of you maybe spend a session or two. God forbid, even three or four if it's a complicated thing. And now you get to go to a whole new tribe. Yeah. Where it's essentially, I mean, the weather's probably the same. Yeah, maybe it's a little colder, a little warmer. Maybe it rains more. Mm-hmm. But now it's a whole new story. Now it's a whole new community. Yeah. They might speak a different language, for all you know. So it would it would give us this cool bit to where it's not just the same thing in the same area. Yeah, it's these little adventures that are each time. So each town could be its own little adventure. Okay, so let's start building out the actual like the capital and then the seven or eight tribes or whatever like like let's start building those out kind of fleshing those so that we can kind of get like figure out where to go with things yep so i'm thinking the map it's it's going to be kind of it's a circular island just because it is near the the border I mean, hell, maybe the capital on this planet is actually on the North Pole. Um, so I, I, I'm picturing it like if you look straight down the planet, you see this. I mean, it's a little more oval, but kind of circular, just smack there at the top. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for map building purposes, we could drop it to where the very northern point of the island's the North Pole. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm imagining it a little stretched out. So kind of... Kind of like how we see Antarctica on our maps. A little bit. And then, uh, again, like we said, the, the, the middle would have to be some kind of main city. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yes, some kind of central area. And then we would have probably the southernmost point of this continent is the main port, which would be the pass of Leith the path of least resistance from the capital to the, the coast. Yes. It would follow the least, that way the easiest trading. Maybe even some kind of primitive transport system. Maybe that's where we have the special beasts that do the transport. Beasts that can haul just an outlandish amount of weight. Yeah. And but... attached to them are these massive sleds so they can haul thousands of pounds. Yeah, sleds that are the size of houses almost. Yeah, it's just a, a giant sled just filled with supplies. Mm-hmm. Almost like, a, you know, a cargo ship of today, you know, but it's just these giant sleds pulled by this massive beast that can handle this. 
I'm I'm kind of picturing like um what was that that thing in Star Wars where he cut the belly That's open? That's exactly where I was thinking too. I was thinking kind of like that, a little fatter and more polar bear-y. I was thinking something pretty large too. Maybe something around the size of a car. Oh, I'm thinking I'm thinking like a lot bigger. Like think a large polar bear times it by three and make it fatter. And then add horns. Claws. So you're thinking almost like mammoth. Yeah, but but it's a large, very aggressive polar bear. Like it has horns, talons, claws. Its fur is darkened with blood from the countless things it's eaten. Yeah, I was thinking some kind of like, yeah, a carnivorous like mix between a giraffe and a mammoth. Something that like you know sits up high so they can see a long distance, and is also very it's a, car- a carnivore because that's the only thing it really is going to survive out there. And just I'm just I'm picturing imagine like you're leveled you know we do two or three off the boat and one of the first things you see is this massive beast who does not recognize you. It might even, like, lunge at you, and, like, it's like a handler stops it. Mm-hmm. And, you, and we describe how its fur is literally stained with... Blood of its prey. Just whatever array that you assume, it leaves cut marks in the ice as it walks. Yeah, and then you get described a sled the size of a house where a bunch of men are unloading these items onto a boat. Yeah, it, it looks like... Uh, I, I'm picturing, like, several hundred square feet of just kind of flat sled with a bunch of just poles and then a second sled. And they just have, like, like, like a, just rope nets hanging off the sides. So then they just fill it up, fill the top off. It's all roped and tied down. And then, whoosh, off you go. Yeah, that could be super. That would be that would be cool. A cool visual too. It's just this giant. Just honestly, it's it's too unique to describe this giant hulking beast that like walks on all fours. Mm. With tusks and claws and talons, and it just looks terrifying, and yet it's hauling. Yeah. 1200 square feet of raw resources and it's just, it's just out for a walk it, it doesn't even seem to be straining against it yeah. and now the question is holy shit these dudes contain these things yeah like what else do they have can we get these things where we live like can, like in their heads they're like can you imagine like what if we had these to protect our kingdoms yeah, I think it would be interesting because if the party knows they're here to make a trade deal, they might make characters that are kind of about that. Mm-hmm. So that's the only info they get. So they show up thinking they're here to establish a trade, and it's these these tribes. And I'm imagining each tribe has something that to them is so simple. Like to them, the guy doesn't think about driving the supplies. Maybe the tribe closest to the the Arctic dragons, they all have plumbing all their little cabins have running hot water mm-hmm. because they've just they have like a geothermal vent near them a geothermal vent or and like between the vent and they've used the 
uh, like supplies from the dragons to manage temperature and it, it you know you can use it to create pressure you know they to them it's just resources they've had but to the outside world it's baffling yeah because i don't want them to just be dumb tribals yeah but i want to tell the party you're there to trade with some tribes you are a luxurious kingdom. Your king has sent you to establish a trade route with some northern tribes. Yeah, like they say it tribes, but it really it's like, you know, small town Ohio where you're the idiot. What do you mean you don't know how to ride a quinya? It's then fucking walk, I guess, dumbass. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, where and and they like come up with these ingenious ideas to fix simple things. Or fix complex things wherever. I want them all to drink a very powerful alcohol. Like I don't want to call it fire water, but I'm imagining like 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 to them it's this it's like like I like literal fire water. Like it's moonshine that warms your body. I mean that would be brandy, yeah. I guess yeah, but it's just is like a hundred and eighty proof. Just it 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 just melts things, and all these people just you know when they're at work they open their little third their little. Mammoth Tusk Thermos. Yeah. Uh, okay. And that could be another thing that becomes like a trade good because it's very, it becomes super popular with nobles who are like, oh, yes, I drink only the drinks of true men. <laughs> and, and they find out it's like fermented in seal bladders or something ridiculous. Yeah, it's like, you don't want to know how this is made, man. Just drink it if you want to drink it. It's pumped through Arctic dragon carcasses. No, see, I don't want them to be already killing the Arctic dragons because there's no point. You know, they don't see killing the Arctic dragons as, have, oh, as there being a reason. Well, they, they would be killed whenever they're a nuisance, when they're, like, cause, like hunting livestock. Yeah. Yeah, so whenever they become a nuisance, you kill them. But it's not something they go out of their way to... So that they would know some of these things. They would know that, hey, oh yeah, these Arctic dragons, they, they don't decompose, so we use them to ferment fire brandy. I like that. I like fire brandy. And like, why is it called brandy? And be like, well, who do you think tried it? Uh, yeah, the old tribal leader brandy. Yeah, brandy made it. It was kind of gross, but it was pretty good. Yeah, like, it kept us warm. Yeah, that would be a, a big export. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm thinking it could be so well-liked that, like, a barrel is several hundred gold. Yeah, but these people just make it... You know, like, they warm it up over a campfire and they, they just toss it into the... Like, like when they toss that coffee mug to get back to work, yeah, they, they just threw, like, 11 gold pieces worth of just the finest... Fire brandy. But these guys are just like, it's yeah, but whatever. The, like, yeah, I drink, like, I drink it every day. <laughs> yeah. Do you want my thermos? I'm okay. The party's like pouring it into their bag. Like, I'm gonna go sell this, but then like eventually they come to be like, yeah, whatever. It's gonna be I I wanna see how much this would have an effect on a party. Like if we spend twenty sessions here doing all this, are they gonna go back to the capital and be like, now nah, we're cool now? Like they're gonna just be all these rugged survivalists. Yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be an interesting dichotomy of like how how they react to becoming going back to the capital after three months because you know it's like when 
a country guy or like you know a small town farmer goes to a huge city for like New York City yeah, for the first could, time, it's like sensory overload. Like they could, because this is going to be such a, a pivotal moment at the very beginning. They're all going to make these very intricate characters, mm-hmm. and then for all we know, before we even get to like the main story, they could be entirely different characters. Yeah, because we're putting them through such a honestly daunting bit like this is not going to be an easy thing yeah they could die traveling to the next town it's a very challenging existence yeah obviously in terms of gameplay it's super easy to just travel is safe between these tribes yeah but like it is known that hey this is a very scary place we are sending you guys because we know you can do it and you're expendable but you can do it yes Try to find out what happens to the last ones. Yeah, don't... Just ignore what happens. Yeah. Just... Don't drink the... And then they get cut out. Yeah. Like, like the, like the door closes and they don't get to hear what the king says. Alright. So... The <clears throat> first... The, the port town. So that's a big question is, do they name... Do the villages or the tribes have names? Why? Huh? Why? There's two towns. One's a, one's a boat town. And yeah. one's just the town. <clears throat> like I, I, I imagine it's the same as like, oh, we're going into town tomorrow. Okay. So for note keeping as the DM, how 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 would we go about like notating that as like, so we have main town. And port town. Yeah, just honestly, they, they they wouldn't even call it Port Town. That's just the port. Like it, it's it's probably just considered a second part of the city, even though it, it could be days away. Okay. So. So the cat main town is. What are the things that they would get from the main towns where, the trade is conducted. So the main town would mostly just be like it wouldn't even really be a big established town there would probably be some kind of clinic mm-hmm. staffed by I'm assuming a druid um, you know we can backtrack to that if once we get to religion there um, you know, there'd be um, the main build like the capital building as we would yeah. establish it it's literally just a um, those like long Bear like those like like I'm thinking of those long Nordic buildings where they would like all sit down and eat like a mess uh, not a mess hall what's it called you know you know what I mean right yeah like, like the shield on the side a longhouse yeah. yeah a longhouse I'm imagining it's just basically a longhouse where it's a table and chairs and that's where they discuss you know it has maybe a giant fire pit in the center and a large table around it. Well, I mean, then it wouldn't be a long house. I imagine it's like just a big thing, big building where all it is, you enter and there's a table with a fire in the center. And that's where they stay warm. It's just a big round room. And it's divided in the seven spots where the tribes... Yeah, it's just like it's several tables around a massive fire pit. Like a huge bonfire-sized pit to stay warm. Yeah. And then probably like off to the side... Like a fire, 
higher place more for cooking. Yeah. So they could have so someone could cook for the for the leaders. For the leaders. Um, I mean, with that, there would be a few houses for people who probably live here. Mm-hmm. Honestly, probably most of them would be older. I'm imagining that once you get old and you're not really able to facilitate frontier living, you just kind of go join the elders at the town. Like the entire town could be run by elders. So it could almost be a retirement community. Yeah, unquote. where it's just this town, and it's just ran by it. So, you know, a, a grandma makes the meal, and that's just kind of naturally over time. Like, and like to the town, they probably don't even realize that. It's just, yeah, it's easier here. Which means, could, could there be like a weird phenomenon in that area where it's like a little bit warmer and something like that, where it's a little more comfortable for the older folk, but it's not as like profitable for people to live there. What if we put, so what if we do that? We put it right on the pole and for some reason the pole is warmer. Mm-hmm. But, but because of where it's at, it's not. But there's nothing really around it worth anything. Yeah. It's just kind of a, the center of everything. So Yeah, so it's a little warmer. Maybe, you know what? Warm enough to where some stuff can grow. Not just, like, winter plants. Like, they actually have, like, some... So akin to, like, 50s for a high or maybe a little warmer? Because I imagine it's going to be, like, the average temperature is, like, negative 15... Yeah, I'm thinking. Um, yeah, I think negative fifteen is a pretty good. I mean, that that's just ballpark. And then during the uh, during the winter, they have these win- these freak winter storms that could drop up to like negative forty. That's why most of the year is spent preparing for their winter. Mm-hmm. Maybe or maybe it's their summer. These summer storms, as the, all the air around them heats up. It causes these freak reactions. So when the party shows up in spring, they think they're good to go. Yeah, because that, that's how the outside world yeah, sees it. Yeah, so, oh, oh, we're leaving in the summer? That's fine. That's easy. And when they show up, they're like, you don't, you, you don't leave in three months. What do you mean? Like, no, the port closes in three months. Yeah, you guys might want to prepare, honestly. Uh, you guys don't you look. You have blubber, right? No? Oh. Well, and as a guy just walks off, <laughs> that's yeah, that's not his problem. So we've got the main town. It's warmer there because magic. Because magic. Yeah. Um, because no one knows. Yeah. And and, and like there's a uh, to pause for a good DM tip is if someone looks at you and says, "Well, how how is it that way?" I don't know. No, no one knows. It's it's a it's a phenomena. Like no one understands. If you want to figure it out, we, you can start. Yeah, but I mean, there's been generations of people. They, they don't care why. Yeah, it just is. It's warmer. It could be geothermal vents. It could be uh, maybe because the magnetic field is centered here. It tends to tends to heat up more. You know, you, we, there really could be yeah, a bunch of ways. Yeah, but sometimes the... science doesn't understand, especially when you throw magic into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
fuck those people who were like, well, how is it? How's it work? If, it does, if you can't explain it, then you, it, it, it's dumb. But, that, no. Magic. Yeah, magic. Magic. Alright. So, so we got the port town yep. that directly connects to the main city. Just one straight shot. There's no other. Yeah. And then, so we go, they go to the capital, and then they have to go around to each village. Yeah, because they, they would show up. They would be told to speak to some kind of elder. Maybe this elder was there when the, uh, the first contact was made. Mm-hmm. So the elder is the only one they know. So they were sent to the elder, Tim. Names, names to be Yeah, so they, they, they show up to Tim. And Tim's like, oh, of course, I'd be happy to... Uh, let me go speak to them, because everyone respects the elders. Yeah. So the elder walks in, and you know he, they're the crew's brought in, and they're just you know like we said, it's like why would we we don't care, what what do we have to gain? Yeah. And I guarantee you the party will save money. Yeah. Guarantee it. Every time. They will be like, oh, you get you get dollar dollar bills, y'all. Yeah. What and what good is money to us up here? Like gold. Uh, and like they hold like gold rings and like a necklace. They're like, we, I'm, why? I can only wear so much. Yeah. Kind of gets in the way. The gold necklace is kind of cut into the like. Why would I? Yeah. Waste gold, my time with like like gold rings. Gold stays cold long. Yeah, it just makes us stay get cold. I mean, we have gold plates for cooking. Like we have. Oh yeah, we we do have that that ice box made of gold and crystals. Yeah. But, so what do we? So, you know, the party would then have to, with these kind of clues we've established, they must be like, well, we can offer you long term heating without constant resource usage, and now they're gonna go. Really. Yeah. No more having to refill the oil lamps every day. Yeah, but. And but that means like they're gonna the players are gonna have to figure out like before they even know about the Arctic Dragons how are they gonna do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and that's what kind of will be like. So let's say even I, I would say in this situation I would have this as the DM it breaks off into two options. Option one is they tank the conversation and they're pretty much told to shove it. And maybe one of the like one of the older leaders speaks up and says you know. If you go to my town and convince my people that you're worth this time, I'll talk to you. And that kind of inspires the rest to kind of agree. They're like, you know what? Yeah. If you can convince my town, convince mine too. You know what? Make that a third. Mm-hmm. If these creatures can go to our town, survive, and convince the people that this is in our benefit, then we will listen. Yeah. But so that gives them two missions of. Well, now they got to go around and convince the people they're worth the time. While finding out. And while while finding a reason why they should make these trade agreements. You know what? I think the party would have a sending stone to talk to whoever has sent this mission. Yeah. And because I feel like we'd have... In this, sorry, go, go, go. And I feel like we'd have to go because we use sending stones as kind of like... A cell phone where they can just talk back and forth, and I feel like we'd have to limit the sending stone's abilities. I would say that it's either a sending stone. It's like a voicemail. Yeah, either a sending stone or maybe 
like an every other day check-in. Somebody cast sending, send, sending to cast sending to them. I like that. They choose. Yeah. So every other day, the people in charge of your your group get uh, sends a message to the group, and the group has to reply. I like it. So then, let's say they do convince the group of tribal leaders that, hey, you know, this is, you know, maybe these guys are right. Maybe they have a good, maybe they're smart and they pretty quickly establish a need. Then, you know, now they get the mission, the mission of like. See, and the problem I'm seeing with, like, especially the heating thing is, okay, yeah, you teach the villagers how to harvest the Arctic dragons to create this, like, heat temperature control system. And now they're like, okay, well, we don't need you guys anymore. No, I'm thinking they have, they can bring in like, like, hey, if you trade us these things, we can ship you drums of oil to where now you just put, you know, you have these drums somewhere in your, in your tribe Mm -hmm. and now heating is never a problem. You never have to worry, never again do your people have to worry about what if we're out of oil. During those winter months with, with the major storm when you can't walk outside, yeah, oil. Yeah, so you have, so they're trading backlogs of oil for resources. Like, like I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking the, 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 the trade agreement is, you know, raw resources for your raw resources. Mm-hmm. We can ship in, yeah. Like, we can ship you tens of thousands of pounds of dry firewood if you want. Hell, we can ship you um, planes, you know, panes of glass for greenhouses. There's lots of stuff they could offer them, which is why where I thought of the sending stone because there there will come a time where they have to go. Oh, can we offer that? Do we have glass? So then being able to reach out and talk to that person would kind of help them along the little path there. Mm-hmm. And maybe they can also offer um, you know, things that like the artificers of their capital have kind of learned of like making their oil heaters more efficient and you know create the same amount of heat for less cost. And things like that. Maybe they invented a wood stove, but that wood stove has that rocket stove bit in it. Seeing, so but it takes so on a in a small house in a moderately cold, like you know, still below freezing, but cold day. It's one to two gallons a day for a moderately cold day, on a, in a small house, and then larger houses on really cold days will take ten to twenty gallons of like oil. Or like yeah, oh, blubber. Of oil to heat. So I'm thinking there's a thing of like, you know, we give them things that help them lower the amount of oil and then also give them a backlog of oil. Like a rocket wood stove. Yeah. Uh, Maybe a a system for um, like that old system where you would have like a fireplace or a cooking thing and like a small like pit, like a little trench under your house. That trench heats up and heats up the floor. Yeah, and maybe it's also the artificers have invented a, you know, essentially like how our, you know, modern AC and heat works where it checks the temperature of the house and only turns on when it needs to warm it up. 
So now the artificers give this art and technology to these people. Yeah, you just you, you place a temperature critical crystal or some kind of device, mm -hmm. some, some kind of magical trigger, where if it gets cold, it does something, and then you have this stove that senses that and it just kicks on mm -hmm. until the sensitive crystal stops reacting. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, so now... And, th and that's good enough for these guys to care. Yeah. So, and maybe the um, guys going up there know that that's a thing that they can trade. And I think it's more of a mission of we need to find something that's worth our time to send it up there, but also convince them that it's worth trading. We should give them a decently long list full of random shit that they can trade and just sneak in some of the really good ones. Mm -hmm. So, like, we trade glass. This, 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 temperature regulation equipment. This, 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 So this. come up with a list of just random things that yeah. they're saying. You are allowed to offer this stuff up for trade. Find stuff that's valuable to us as well as yeah. that they're willing to part with. So that's when the people, when the adventurers, you know, say there's a rather smart one. Or maybe they notice that there's people using that to help, like, flash freeze things for pres food preservation, you know, on the, from the Arctic Dragon. So now they kind of see that as a thing of, that's actually really useful. You know, maybe there's one person in the party is, like, an art a representative from the Artificer Academy or whatever. So that they're, they are there to be that, like, what can we find up here that's useful? You're thinking, like, maybe, like, an NPC bit that went with them? I mean... If, I mean, if a player doesn't fill in the... I feel like that's one where you would have to kind of talk to a player. Like, if, like, you ran the campaign, I would make that mm. artificer. Or if I ran the campaign, I would be like, hey, Ethan, can you want to play that, you know... I'd bring in powder, but this time he's a tradesman. Yeah. So some, something along those lines. With a scar on his forehead. <laughs> and he doesn't like guns anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I, I like it. And, hmm. You know, I, I think giving the, the party a lot of this information, even just a, a scratch, might really help make their characters match it. Yeah, because... Speaking of, what kind of races would be here? Hmm. I mean, you wouldn't really see kobolds. No. no I w you wouldn't see any kind of lizard folk. Mm -mm. I imagine some kind of... So, so a tribe of Goliath. I'm imagining furred creatures. So... Leonins, tabaxis. I, yeah, I think, I think a tribe of Leonin over tabaxi because i see tabaxi as like jungle cats mm -hmm, yeah so a leona would fit so we had a try i mean they could actually you know what they could be they could be an unknown subclass of leonin where they're like arctic arctic leonin yeah arctic leonin they're where, just snow cats yeah so tribes um races furbolg for sure uh hang on let me dick humans obviously because we're fucking everywhere and I don't necessarily think that they would stick to racial tribes. Yeah. They're, I mean, there would it wouldn't be like they're just Goliath. It would be maybe I, Goliath centered. Yeah, I feel like like, like like a large Goliath family is settled down here. 
But mm. now there's tons of different people. You know, yeah. they, they, they married out to different tribes. Yeah. Maybe people who visit here and stuck around because they like the cold. Yeah, but, like, the tribal leader and the heads of the village... Yeah, like, the family be, that kind of runs it would yeah, be... Yeah, that's that, what that I'm race. thinking yeah. of in terms of, like, the races and things like that. So... How would the how would they handle law? I imagine it would be almost like I'm thinking old school. Like I'm thinking public shaming. Yeah, public shaming exile. And, yeah, and it'd be more of a thing of like there's no set rules, but if you do something that actively harms the community. Yeah. Like, it's more of a, like, common sense. Like, you you, you know... I you imagine they're very eye for an eye. Like, like if you kill someone, you ain't going to jail. You, I don't... You ain't, you ain't getting exiled. I don't think there is a jail. No. I think there's... You do something bad enough, you get punished with extra labor or something along those lines. And you do something bad enough, it's exile. And you kill somebody, you get killed. Yeah, there's just... Ooh, now that means there's probably another tribe that does not trade with the rest who are just exiles. The exiles know that if you ever get exiled, follow blah, blah, blah. There, there could be like, like an old trail. And I feel like it wouldn't be such a, a super well-known thing because it would only be... Like the people that are have the chance of like they if you know when a person's like yeah you might get exiled, you know this is where you go if this happens like they run across one of the people when they're hunting the grandmas are like well my my son he was exiled yeah follow the red linens yeah she kind of walks away in her little walrus bone cane yeah. And that would also create this interesting thing where, like, the players find out about this and they're like, I mean, what might be there? Like, what can we check it out, check out there? Or maybe this exiled group is getting into some, like, cult religion thing where they're starting to cause, like, like a global warming event to where it's going to completely ruin these people. What if they unearthed a fire elemental that was trapped here? I think rather than a fire elemental kind of a um like a like a primordial being of fire and lava of like fuego yeah like a a ancient beast who was laid to rest and the energy that he kind of sucked in created this cold area and that's the thermal the geothermal thing that that one town has yeah yeah so that so that's why that spot's warm but everywhere else is cold because all the energy... Because if you think about it, cold is not cold. It is the slowing down of atoms and material, creating, making it feel cold. Mm -hmm. So the energy being absorbed from the area around it is what's creating the cold area. And then that one central area is warm because that's where all the energy is going for that primordial which means, that is dormant. Which means this group would have to destroy the town to free it. Yeah, so eventually that's what they're plotting to do. They're working towards awakening this primordial, 
and that that creates our overarching like BBEG type but here, thing. But here's the thing: they're not even doing it for bad. They're doing it to warm the area up so they can return home. They think that if they get rid of this just crippling cold, that they'll be let back home. Yeah, yeah. They they think if they're if they allow this world to warm up, they'll be welcomed back as heroes. Yeah, if they because, warm this continent up, yeah. Yeah, because there's something wrongfully telling them in their heads, hey, this is what would help everybody. When in actuality, it's going to screw everything up. Yeah, it's going to just burn this entire continent to the ground. Yeah, and create this like cataclysmic event for the rest of, rest of the world. Neat. Just a wee bit cold. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually really like that overarching story idea. And it, it, it lets us avoid that trope of... There's one, a BVEG that's just trying to screw me. <laughs> yeah, it's like, these guys don't I'll, know... I'll kill you all. Yeah, these guys don't know... And maybe they could even convince the party, hey, this will help. Oh, the party starts the cataclysm. Yeah. And now the whole campaign is the rest of the world is trying to prepare for all this fire and brimstone. Yeah, that the party started and now the party's like, oh, we fucked up. Maybe we should fix this. Oh, but even better is as a reward for freeing him, they get teleported to safety. So he's like, thank you. And you're now on a different continent. Like back to where you you came from. Yeah, and now you're so now like, you're like, ho ho ho, we we need a boat. <laughs> we need a boat right now. And like like the people and like you go to the cat the king and he's like, How did you even get back? <laughs> <laughs> Just this panic of like we, we oh god We, we need a boat so, right now. All, need, all the water you have <laughs> They just show up as like a fire brigade with like buckets of water in a panic, throwing it on this lava demon, and then sending the bucket back down the fire line so a new bucket can splashing it on. <laughs> oh my goodness! That's just the, the idea of that. The, but imagine it being done on like a mat, like hundreds of thousands of people swarm this continent to stop this being, and the best plan they have. Is let's just line up hundreds of thousands of people in these large fire lines and pass up and down large buckets of water. And get like <laughs> artificers to fly on griffins and dump out al alchemy jugs of water on this guy. So that that reminds me of this stupid thing I saw where the because of the way initiative works in DD, it's everything that happens in that six seconds. But what you can do is have a hundred people line up in a line in the order that they go for initiative and they all hand a spear to each other in that six seconds. So it travels the 500 feet over six seconds and then and then it's, it, the, the last one stabs it into somebody. So 500 feet over – so you can do it you know, to where it goes to like 100 feet per second roughly – which is like 100 miles an hour. A spear hitting somebody at 100 miles an hour? Gonna be an instant kill. No, that's <laughs> cheating. I just, I just like, I just love that. We've already established the steampunk and the magic, and the best thing they can think of is let's just throw water on him. 
Well, that's where like that's like the party panicking because they don't know what's going no, on. No, but I imagine the panic continues and they convince all these people to help their shit plan. <laughs> <laughs> so they just send literal navies of people. <laughs> like long-standing militaries are deployed with buckets. Yeah, and like they try to convince the like giant sled monster people to like yeah, we're just going to load a bunch of water in a giant bucket, and you guys just pull it. No, no, normal buckets. It's all normal buckets. <laughs> they're just... So they're getting a long line, and they're, like, someone at the very end of the line is, like, the, the water. So they're scooping up a bucket, and they're sending it miles and miles down this line towards wherever this demon is, and they're just going, splish, <laughs> and then sending the bucket back down. And then halfway, the buckets pass, the new fresh buckets delivered up. Splish! <laughs> and they set it back down. And there's this ancient primordial being just standing there. Like, think like, um, if you look up, uh, I think it's Ragnaros from uh, World of Warcraft. Well, I'm thinking of... He's like, um, a, he's like a fire torso, and his body is just twirling flame. Yeah. And imagine and you're just like, who dares wakes the splish? Have you watched, uh, watched The Eternals yet? I don't think so, no. Uh, it's one of those movies where it's un unfortunately you probably have to watch it if you care about the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now because the movie is not good. Neat. But it's going to play a pretty heavy role in the the universe going forward. But it, the, the boss fight for that is like essentially these guys are the... the Earth is essentially a giant egg for this new primordial being that is being born. And when this primordial being is being born, speech! <laughs> um, the world, the planet Earth will get destroyed. So the whole concept is they are speech. The, the Earth is starting to hatch and there's this, this giant being that starts unearthing itself in the, in plant, in the planet. And they get a large stick and they keep just poking them back down into the crust. Like, <laughs> like hey, get, 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 I say, get. They just deploy a bunch of grandmas with broomsticks <laughs> just poking back down. <laughs> the, but, the, the, the rain support is chocolates. Just. <laughs> He's throwing the chocolates. <laughs> a bunch of moms just like, ready, aim. <laughs> And it deals like psychic damage. And this, and um, imagine the imagine the edit of like it's like a dark, dreary battleground. It's storming rain. There's lightning lighting up the field, and it zooms out. And you know that like that 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 trope of like the little ready release and like that that arch of arrows, but it's just chocolates. Just all right. So wh wh Whipple, please. <laughs> I don't. Can, I, I don't want to ask for fan art, but can you just like Photoshop like a line of grandmas throwing sandals yeah, but, at and, people at a giant like lava I'm, monster? I'm imagining that shot of the arcing arrows, but instead it's a, just hundreds of sandals, <laughs> and there's this this army looking up, holding up their shields as just that that like you know that like um. Lord of the Rings trope of that just wall of arrows. But it's just it's sandals. just it's just fucking sandals, man. <laughs> and it's a very serious like, like like in the video it's like ready aim release and they all just <laughs> and they all make that little 
Ne olur o kadar soğuk. And maybe in the edit they spin and they're spinning so fast, they like catch fire like a like a shuttle re-entering orbit. So there's now this like rapidly just perpetual motion spinning chocolate just raining down. <laughs> and you watch it like go through someone's shield and See, someone's full plate armor and the soldier falls down. <laughs> <laughs> Like okay, they still react getting, like arrows. I feel like it's getting beyond Whipple. I think we just need to call Corridor Digital. Yeah, I think it's time we hire. <laughs> you think Joe Cat's still looking for some animation work? No, no. Uh, yeah, have you do, you? do you know who uh, Corridor Digital is? They're they're a, like uh, they they live in L.A. but they do like movie effects type stuff. Like I don't I ha I have to show you. They did like um. Star Wars lightsaber duel that was really realistic and can cool. they can they make a flaming perpetual motion chonkla pierce someone's probably. full plate shield and armor probably they can do some really cool stuff I'm ready but yeah we'll just contact them release <laughs> don't even contact them just send them a clipped bit of this conversation and then just be like please no explanation nothing and if, if they're as passionate as they should be, they'll be like, we have to make this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, it's, it's almost as good as like, the line of infantry soldiers. Splish. And sending down. Splish. <laughs> it's just like a little, like, a bucket you'd find, like, in your basement. The, the five-gallon Lowe's bucket. If it's even. <laughs> if five gallons is a generous number. <laughs> they're probably, like, three by the time it gets to the end. Yeah, because... Because we have established it's days away, so these buckets are traveling. Well, for... the, the buckets might have froze by then. Clunk. It's just like... <laughs> <laughs> it's just... You throw this bucket-shaped ice cube at a fire god. <laughs> and I imagine he's just standing there like... Like... Y'all done yet? <laughs> <laughs> he's waiting to release, like fire wave and kill hundreds of people and he's just like this is funny he kind of he, he kind of wants to see like is this is this it just like every girl i've been with said <laughs> <laughs> well everybody i think that's all we got for today we're stopping with splish and chocolates so tune in next week because for the first time ever we actually know what we're talking about next week yeah so yeah, next week we're going to kind of talk about... We're going to zoom out a little bit. Yep, so we've got the main continent. Now we're going to figure out how the rest of the world interacts with that continent. And maybe a little bit more about the overarching story of this ancient primordial lava being that's going to get killed by a bunch of buckets. Splish. <laughs> you know what? Uh, it's canon now in, in the story. An artifact, like uh, a, a military man, an NPC has to suggest this. A hundred percent. A standard fire brigade. Yeah. And part of like, what do you mean? Like you line up all the soldiers, they pass up buckets up and down the line. Yeah, and it just takes five days to get there. You said you said it's made of fire, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it puts out fire. Yeah. yeah. And, and and by the time this like thing's done, it's like that guy lost his job. And then, and then another guy's option is like, well, if we go wake up a water primordial, <laughs> the water will put out the fire, right, guys? Yeah, yeah, that won't cause a bigger problem. A bunch, a bunch of like, because I mean, these continents are so isolated. Like, I, like the military commander of one of these continents has probably maybe, maybe done a war. 
Like, they don't know how to fight large scale. Yeah. Because they're so isolated. Yeah, like, the commander got to be commander because he's good with finances. He's really good. I mean, he's good at leading the standing army, but all they do is, like, put down bandits and patrol and yeah, put out fires. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He on, on the weekends, he's a volunteer firefighter, which is why he had the idea of a fire brigade. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that idea. Splash. And let's, Splash. And just see how the party looks at these two complete idiots. Just, <laughs> so your plan is to wake a water primordial and then just hope they kiss and put mm. each other out? Well, when you put it that way, it's kind of dumb. <laughs> at least I'm not fucking splashing buckets on them. Hey, fuck you, Greg. And kind of, <laughs> <laughs> these two guys get, get a little... And that's how, and that's how World War One starts. <laughs> yeah, Greg and Brett... <laughs> they just, they get they get fighting. I like it. Yeah, so that's that's it. We're okay. As always, I am your host, Jordan, and I'm Don Tribido. <laughs> it is the outro, Jordan. And that was our episode for this week. Um, if you liked what you heard or you didn't and you want to complain about Don Tribido's <laughs> uh, antics for this episode, you can My comment name. on our YouTube channel um, or tweet at us. Um, yeah, Tribido YouTube... or Tribidon't, honestly, either way. <laughs> <laughs> um, Don Tribido, leave a like on this <laughs> <laughs> that is the dumbest <laughs> thing I've said on this recording yet. Uh, <laughs> if you want to talk to us on social media, we are on Twitter at Locked in a Shed, and at uh, Instagram is at Locked in a Shed with underscores for spaces. Yep. Um, I have a personal Twitter at JD Sky. Yeah, Triba. Drop a follow on that one. Yeah, I, I post a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not really. Um, otherwise, um, leave a like on our YouTube channel. Follow us on Spotify, please. Triba, hit that subscribe button. Can you like, subscribe on Spotify? Uh, you can follow podcasts. Triba, follow this podcast. Or Triba, don't. That's fine. Whatever you want to do. Bye.